a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome back, Rebels and Imperials, to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian. This is not a solo show, but Matt and Liz are not here. We are continuing our celebration of The Last Jedi's fifth anniversary with a chat with Multiversity founder Matthew Malikoff. Why, Matt? Well, you'll hear why in just a minute. I am joined today by my friend. The reason that there is a Multiversity Comics, the reason there's a podcaster named Brian Salvatore, no, I was podcasting before Multiversity, but the reason that there's a comic podcaster, Brian Salvatore, <laughs> is my friend Matthew Malikoff. Hello, Matt. Hello. Everyone from my secret hidden bunker. Not that I've hidden away from the world and abandoned all of these things. <laughs> yes, he he he's not on social. You're you're on some social media, right? You're still on Instagram, is it or no? No. Oh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I okay. got that LinkedIn going. Uh, okay. Which I also do not post on, <laughs> but you can find me on it. Wait a minute. You aren't one of those weirdos who posts family photos on LinkedIn. I what I like to do is I'll post one sentence and then I'll hit enter a bunch to make a bunch of spaces mm -hmm. so that everything else I write you have to hit continue reading on yeah. uh -huh. like it's a, like a little bit of mystery like where's he and my first sentence always has to be something weird and vague yeah <laughs> exactly yeah um but anyway uh yeah Matt is calling from a secret bunker somewhere in New England and uh <laughs> he is uh yeah it, it it is it is a pleasure to have him on the show because when we're talking about the fifth anniversary of The Last Jedi, the first thing I thought of is, oh, I have to get Matt to talk about why he doesn't like this movie. And yep. um, but before we get there, what is your history with Star Wars? Uh, you know, what is sort of were you a Star Wars kid? Did, it, did you get into it later in life? Like, give me the give me the rundown of your Star Wars life. So I, like many of us, uh, discovered the wonder of Star or many of us. Not really anymore. I discovered the wonder of Star Wars on VHS tapes. When we mm -hmm. were kids, um, yep. it was those versions that had like I think like the first one they were like black boxes, and then they had like half of somebody's face on the cover. I'm sure you know exactly the ones that I'm talking about too. Those were the THS remasters, yes, yes. Um, and I loved them. I thought they were wonderful. I love sci-fi. I love nerd stuff. Um, I remember when they did the remasters and like inserted scenes back into the movie that had been previously deleted like in the special the first editions one. special yes. editions are great yeah and they had that new box set that you could buy it was like gold and silver versions yeah that scene with like uh, han solo talking to jabba the hut in a new hope mm -hmm. uh, i saw the prequels in theaters i was like up and down on them like i think most fans were at the time i think they were always They've always divided people. Later in life, I think I came back around, and now I actually really love them. Um, How old were you in '99, by the way, when you saw The Phantom Menace? How what, what grade were you in? That was 13, 12, okay. 13, okay. somewhere right. in there, depending on. It was summer, right? It was it May was, of twenty. Uh, May of May of '99, yeah. Yeah, so I would I think be twelve for me. Um. I remember being wild even in the theaters because they did that whole thing where they like would redo how the sound worked in theaters, which was awesome. Yep. Mm -hmm. That was always like the coolest thing to me is uh, I remember reading this article even back then uh, that explained how they wanted like the sound to work as like a really full surround sound experience, for, particularly for like the pod racing sequence. Mm -hmm. um, and then I didn't spend a lot of time with Star Wars after. So I really liked it as a kid and i had toys and i had the, the the movies on vhs i still have 
the version of the DVD box set that came out with it's the only way that you can watch the original trilogy on DVD. I have that yep. box set. That was like, I think the last, that was somewhere in college. They put that out. And that was kind of like my last experience with uh, Star Wars until more modern times where they started doing Force Awakens and all that stuff. Uh, prequel, sorry, the sequel trilogy. And then I kind of came back to Star Wars in a weird way in that I saw the sequels. And I remember talking to folks like you and, um, you know, folks who were like really, really like over the moon for it and saying like, well, check out all this other stuff, Clone Wars, TV show, uh, Rebels. And I think that's where I I was like, really became a Star Wars, like a big Star Wars fan versus like as a kid, I always liked it, acknowledged Star Wars was awesome. It had its place in kind of pop culture. Um, it was after really disliking everything about the sequels, <laughs> but then people being like, all of this other stuff is really cool. That's where I uh, and I remember really liking Rogue One and talking to you about that. And you were like, this is not really a Star Wars movie. And I was like, this is the best Star Wars movie. Well, no, I, I, I if I remember correctly, because I, I, I have since, I like Rogue One a lot. But my issue with it at the time was people saying it was the best Star Wars movie. That's, yeah, that's and, me. <laughs> and I was saying, well, to me, it doesn't have, like. It didn't have the right. scroll. It had that, no, 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 like, not even very, that. very harsh start. No, 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 not, not, not even that. No. I, I just feel like, um, all right, so if I made you a dinner, making you a chicken dinner, you would mm -hmm. expect the chicken to be the centerpiece of the dinner. Mm -hmm. If I made you pasta that had a little chicken in it, you wouldn't call that a chicken dinner. Even if the meal is delicious, it's not a true chicken dinner. Does that make sense? It does. That but is I how think I thought of Rogue like... One. I have, my, my thoughts have evolved on it, but that, that is how I sure. thought of Rogue One initially. Like, this is very good. It's just not like... I had a problem with people calling it the best Star Wars because I felt like it wasn't as Star Wars-y. I can see that. I think that, and I'm sure we'll get into this as we talk more about the sequels and Last Jedi and whatnot. I think it felt fresh and it was like, it's in, it's one of those things, I actually hear people say this a lot where it's like, they'll watch something. Uh, here's a good example. The Wednesday TV show. Have you watched mm -hmm. the Wednesday TV show? I have not. I will eventually. So the thing about the Wednesday TV shows is the Adams Family really don't matter. Like the, if you liked the Adams Family movies, like mm -hmm. or the TV show as a kid, that's not really the point of the show. It's like right. a teen mystery comedy. It's like a it's like a CW show in that way. Nice. And the Adams Family is like a backdrop. It's just like, oh right, you remember remember this? Remember this thing? Right. So you could have made that show and not had anything to do with the Adams family or Wednesday and right. just had it be its own original thing. But they used the Adams family and Wednesday as a way to kind of bring in older fans and newer fans and sure, have sure. this like mystery lore or bigger element. And that's probably how you felt about rogue one. Yeah. And again, my thoughts have evolved on it a little bit. Um, mainly because it was after watching rogue one that I really dove into rebels and clone wars and i'd always read a bunch of the novels but i had never the tv had always been sort of um something I'd, i was meaning to get to once i got to it i got really into that and that expanded i think what i thought star wars was so that's a yeah. different story but we're not talking that's about fair. rogue one we're not talking about rogue one tonight uh we're, we're talking about the last jedi so but be, to talk about the last jedi you have to first talk about the force awakens a little bit so give me like your one paragraph force awakens review the Force Awakens is a film that is dunked very, very deeply into the well of nostalgia 
and it's a wonderful remake of a new hope that loves star wars and ideas <laughs> that's my okay. sentence about force awakens okay um generally did you enjoy the force like, when you came out of it were you happy with the experience i was fine with it i remember it i remember it was a huge huge deal everybody was talking about it and uh i remember i couldn't see it opening night because it sold out so quickly and that was like oh fuck like i had to like that was when i was on social media i had to like go dark for a while because like i don't want these spoilers um and people at work you'd come into the office people would be talking about it, i have to get up and like walk away <laughs> um and then when i finally saw it i was just like i've seen this like I, I it, it was kind of the same beats as a new hope which is fine i kind of got what they were i got what abrams was doing uh I, I understood the intent um but there was like a piece of it that was missing i think emotionally for me where a lot of the folks who really i remember you might have been you might have been one of these people i remember people that scene where like han and chewie are in the millennium falcon and they're like oh chewie we're home and i just remember like people applauding and whatnot and, like i didn't really feel that emotional tug in the same way and i remember leaving the theater and just being like oh man i thought i really liked star wars and maybe I, <laughs> maybe i don't but like it was fine i don't know it was, it was enjoyable like i didn't feel that that big warm fuzzy feeling that I think other people did and I was like well it sets up a lot of cool things I'm sure the next couple films now that we're done with the nostalgia baiting as the characters evolve and change and this and that then I, I might really enjoy these characters a lot more okay that's fair um you know I, I think like a lot of people of our age there is a lot of um uh, there's a lot of emotion tied up in Star Wars that isn't really about Star Wars for me. Yeah. Like like the first movie I remember watching with my dad is The Return of the Jedi. Like there's there's so much just like life built into those movies and all that. And I got really emotional at a couple of points in The Force Awakens, but not not the like Chewie were home stuff like that. There was just uh, the, the, the biggest part, and I told the story in the podcast before, so my apologies to listeners, but Matt <laughs> will enjoy the story, is that Aaron was like, seven months pregnant or six months pregnant when that came out and we didn't know if we were having a boy or a girl but we knew if it was a boy his name was gonna be benjamin and yeah. so there, there's a scene where uh you know han sees his son and he yells ben and i like freaked out <laughs> like it just it was uh it just hit me in a way I, I i couldn't have expected it right but also um it just it, it was like a visceral thing like someone was calling to my son from from the womb and uh you know <laughs> whatever but 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 i i think that the um the Force Awakens, its primary job was to get people to want more Star Wars movies. Like that was that's the yeah. goal of it, right? And I think yeah, it, it achieves fair. that goal. I think that it is sort of a cheap remake of uh, A New Hope at times. I think that there are things in that movie that J.J. Abrams was purposely leaving for people to pick up the threads for, but then, yes. but then he didn't like how the threads were picked up, and so he made another movie to undo all those things. It's even, it wasn't even him that didn't like it. I think it was everybody didn't. Well, well okay, we'll get into that with The Last no. Jedi. But there was a lot of controversy about but how not... Ryan Johnson treated those threads. But don't forget, like before the movie came out, he was signed to do another trilogy because Lucasfilm loved what he did with the film. Yeah, I remember that. I remember, he, it, but they all had also kind of like signed up. Also, sound like the Game of Thrones guys. So I think that they were just kind of going for. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with that. Certain but... names at yes. the time. Yes, I agree with that too. But I mean, I, I, and if you look at it, like review wise, the last shot is the best reviewed Star Wars movie of all time. Is it? 
Yeah, if, if it's not, it's Rogue One, and they're very close. Yes, that's interesting. I don't think I knew that, but okay, uh, yeah, sure. it's it's a very like, very uh, uh, like fan review or like critic review, both critic review. I mean, okay. the, the fans, and, and again, this is why I wanted to talk to you about this because you're a smart, compassionate guy who's not going to be <laughs> mad at people of color and women for being the center of the film. <laughs> but the, and that was a lot of the internet chatter about the movie is like you know, um, yeah, just just, just you know. People being terrible, right? And that—that's. I know that's not why you don't like the movie. So we already have a Hulk. Why do we need a She-Hulk? Exactly. Yeah, yeah we're yeah. still there. We've not gotten better. Exactly. We've gotten worse. I would say <laughs> we've gotten way worse. Demonstrably, we've gotten worse. Yeah. Um. But so I, I want to start just sort of. At, I, I want to ask you three questions about the last Jedi, and then I want you to talk to me about why you don't like it. Okay. My first question to you is. Do you do you not like the Last Jedi for the story it told or for the way it told that story? What do you mean the way it told the story? Like one of the big critiques of the Last Jedi is that it's a modular film where you have, and I just finished watching it this morning, rewatching it this morning, so we can talk about this. But you have like Poe is on the ship with Leia, and there's that mm -hmm. story. And then Ray is on Octu with Luke, and there's that story. And then there is Finn and Rose on Canto Bite, and there's that story. And there is Kylo Ren over here, and he kind of intersects with everything at the end. Okay, um, yeah, that's not the thing that bothered me. So the first one, okay. the story oh, it tells oops. is story the one tells. I don't. Okay. Yeah, okay, the story. Because right. I think that there's are there are aspects of uh, the second part that I'm not I'm I'm not mad about the modular thing. But I do think that there is a general cohesion thing between this and um, the last one. So I thought that's maybe what you meant about like the how. But no, I, yeah, I, just no, I, I don't like the story. Okay. Uh, my second question is: Do you is is your main critique with the story the handling of Luke Skywalker? No. Okay. Interesting. Uh, and then my third question is: Do you think that J.J. Abrams should have directed all three of them? Potentially, okay. maybe. Okay, all right. So now get into it. Tell me, tell me like your basic beef with the with the film. Okay, these like my I took some notes. Okay. Um, I think the main thing that I really dislike about the Last Jedi is like it's just barely a sequel to the Force Awakens. And what I mean by that is like I think that the this idea that the producers had and i guess it's maybe you contribute this to like kathleen kennedy i don't know because I, I did a little bit of uh deep diving into how the films were made just this morning just uh to refresh my memory mm -hmm. um but this idea of like okay jj everyone's gonna do the first one he's gonna set up a bunch of ideas that other writers can play with and then we get the second one all of it goes to ryan johnson and then the third one goes to colin trevorrow who eventually got kicked out um this whole different writers for different films thing i think was a bad idea because when you watch The Last Jedi, it feels like it's, and, and you compare it to The Force Awakens, or you, you compare the way that the, the stories connect, it feels like J.J. Abrams versus Ryan Johnson versus Ryan Johnson going further with what J.J. Abrams did, right? Now, I fully recognize in the original trilogy, like George Lucas didn't direct everything. But he was like very heavily involved with the story. And so was Lawrence Castan, I hope I'm pronouncing that name mm -hmm. um, correctly, who like co-wrote the second two films, one with Lucas, one without. Lucas was the mastermind behind everything for the prequel trilogy, right? Like there is that kind of continuity and cohesion. And I think that's where The Last Jedi, and there's a bunch of things I don't like about the story. Um, 
to, to address the Luke thing, one of my notes is uh, <laughs> this is it's like near the beginning of the film when like Luke throws away that lightsaber. Like that's that moment where I get what Ryan Johnson was trying to do. I get the meta text. I get the whole like the first one was this like, oh, nostalgia is wonderful. And then Johnson's like, no, let's deconstruct this shit and fuck your nostalgia. Can I swear? Sorry. Can I yes, swear? Of course, okay. of course it is. I wasn't yeah. sure. I wasn't sure. Um, it, 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 oh, I love everything about Star Wars. We're going to go so deep in how much I love Star Wars. You remember how Luke was almost called Starkiller or whatever? Like, now we have the Starkiller base. It's like all these like wonderful little things. And then this one feels like Ryan Johnson hates Star Wars. And I know he doesn't. I know he did a lot of good, interesting research. And I remember seeing him talk about uh, I remember fans nitpicking certain things about the Force, and Ryan Johnson was respond with like photos of him holding like these tomes of history about the Force. <laughs> but that's the big thing. It's like there's there's no cohesion. It's the style, it's the tone, it's the themes, it's all of that stuff that J.B. Abrams teed up for someone else to play with, and then Ryan Johnson was like, "No, I don't like any of it." <laughs> see, I and it's funny. I don't I don't see it that way at all. Um, but before I get to that, do you like Ryan Johnson's other films? Yeah, I think he's a good writer director. I, I liked um, uh, like Knives Out. I'm excited to see Glass Onion. It's at excellent. Some point. It's excellent. It's very good. But even that's the sort of thing of like, um, I was I was trying to think about other uh trilogies where you didn't have a cohesive voice, and I'm gonna pick on another Disney property, Marvel stuff, uh -huh. right? Like look at like the Captain America trilogy, like. It's fine, but like it's really those second two movies that connect and throw away all of the other commentary we could have about like, well, you can't really watch it as a trilogy because you got to see all these other movies. Right, right. Like the Iron Man trilogy sucks. Like the Thor trilogy sucks. They're so all over the place. Thor Ragnarok, I, I remember seeing it and being like, I get it. It's good. It's fun. But good Lord, it's nothing like the other right. Thor movies. <laughs> sure, sure. So there is that aspect that, and I'm sure no one's going to care about this from a Marvel perspective anymore, but. I feel like really good, really solid trilogies. They do have that that thing where you 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 watch them and you can see okay, different directors, different whatevers, different types of storytelling, but there is a vision that is guiding the whole thing. And it felt like Ryan Johnson, even if I think he's a good storyteller, he just like went in and did his own thing without caring about what Abrams had tried to do. See, and I I I buck so hard against that thought process because I don't see it that way at all. Here, here is how I see it. Yeah. And again, again, Go. I am. This is just two bros sharing their bro opinions, right? But yeah. um, I see it as the point of the Force Awakens was to get people to care about Star Wars again, and the mm -hmm. way their calculus for that was people will care when the old characters come back, mm -hmm. and so the Force Awakens has Han and Leia as these constants, and Luke is the, the tease at the end, right? And the second movie is about, okay, now that we have people back, we have to make the story not about those people. We have to make people care about this new core of people, and we're going to use the people, the old people, in service of making people care about the new people. And then the third movie, theoretically, should have been taking the new people with almost no ties to the old people and telling their triumph casting it forward again right so so there's mm -hmm. it's always it's always going to be a, a weird intermediary step and when you look at it in a way structurally it's very similar to how the empire strikes back is where there is the master jedi and his apprentice there is yep. the um the chase by the Sith Lord or the evil, whatever however you want to call it, by the dark side. And you have the 
the roguish guy uh trying to escape right um there is a lot of there there is a lot of empire in this and empire is a movie that is tonally so different than a new hope and i i think we have somewhat softened that because of two things first of all you and i saw those movies when we were very very young and we saw them as two parts of a trilogy we could right after we finished one theoretically watch the next one or rent it from the video store and watch it next week right? yeah, yeah, Whatever yeah. It is. yeah yeah i have a friend who's a couple years older than we are and he his least his least favorite movie of all time is the empire strikes back that's and I was wild because like, most people like, like that's like the, everyone's favorite yeah. and he was like because i saw it in the theater and then had to wait three fucking years to find out what happened to han solo and a carbonite like i hated it it wasn't a movie he said he was like, it's not a movie it's an act two and i totally understand like okay i get it, it it's not my experience but i get it right and so I see The Last Jedi yeah, okay. in, a, in a similar role here, where the goal of The Last Jedi is to get you to the ninth movie, which I hated. Did you enjoy the ninth movie? I, I No, I think it's terrible. But I liked it from the perspective of, like, uh, I remember seeing it and being like, eh, there's like some, just some big, dumb, fun stuff in it. Like, sure. that was kind of that point where, um, to me... It was the equivalent of just like it's just a popcorn movie. Like I don't care. Sure. I'm not that, invested. I, that is me uh, in the Marvel movies. I understand. <laughs> you know, this is me in the DC movies. Let's fucking go, man. No, no, no. I just, I just mean like I, I, I love popcorn and soda. I got to sit in a nice comfy chair for three hours. Like it's good. It's, it's, it's fine. Um, but no, seeing, so... seeing the the last one is the equivalent. <laughs> I'm not trying to just say this as a dunk, but like seeing it is the the equivalent of seeing like the Black Adam movie, where oh, I was God. just like, you know what. I joined Rock Johnson's fun and fine. Let's let me go see him have some fun. And yeah. then uh, if I'd left that movie like thirty movie thirty minutes earlier, I probably would have really enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that movie is. Uh, uh, people you know, uh, Vince and Zach texted me. I was like, "How was Black Adam?" And my review was aggressively mid. And I think, I think that's. I, I think I stand by that. Just it is the most middle of the road nothing movie. I've ever everybody, everybody that has asked me about it, I was like, when you go into it, there's going to be a point in the movie where you're going to think the movie's ending. Just get up and leave, and you'll you'll you will, will not have felt like those two hours were terrible. <laughs> anyway, um, but so yeah, so and I think that a lot of the themes that Ryan Johnson picked up on were absolutely there in the Force Awakens. I think that he took them in interesting directions, which is like what I want out of a movie. I don't want to know what's going to happen going into a movie. I want there to sure. be a surprise and different. I want there to be a different take on it, and like you know. To, uh, see, I thought you were going to be against the Luke characterization, and I think the Luke no. characterization is so good in that movie. I think it really plays with Luke's history and plays with expectation, and it comes out like the big uh, people leave the movie saying like, "I wanted Luke to be the savior of the galaxy." Like he fucking is. He, was. Yeah, he, he is. He just yeah. does it in a way that's different than how you expected him to do it. Which in the trailer, Luke says, "This isn't going to go the way you think it is," and like that is the. That is the mission statement of the movie is that everyone everyone thinks things are going to go one way and they go sideways. They don't go that way. But see, then. So, uh, OK, if we go back and we look at like Star Wars to sorry, A New Hope to Empire mm -hmm. and take take with a grain of salt too that like you recognize when you watch A New Hope now as an adult, they didn't really know or Lucas didn't really know that he was going to get to take his his, you know, Hidden Fortress, Buck Rogers mashup, and do more with it. Um, claimed, there's a lot of he, cool he ideas. He claims it was always it. the plan. He claims it was yeah, always yeah. the plan, but it's it's oh yeah, they always say that. Yeah, 
but yeah. like even in the in the if when you uh if you if you ha are lucky enough to have that dvd and you watch it like it isn't like episode four it's star wars it's a new hope like it's not episode four so and then even then there's a bunch of things in there that are clearly just it's the same with force awakens there are cool ideas that you could do more with the thing is when you get into empire even though it's different and it's darker uh here's one of my notes so uh in empire the characters still feel like who they were they felt like they grew here one of my notes is poe sucks now and finn doesn't matter those are those are two of my notes on here because uh what so the first one kind of teases like whether or not Finn is special, you don't really know. There's a there's a poster of him with a lightsaber, and he picks up that lightsaber briefly, and it's like, oh, cool, like maybe you know Finn and Ray are gonna get to have these cool different arcs, and Finn doesn't. Is the whole th all of the stuff that he does in the movie ends up really just not mattering. And in fact, not only is Finn not a Jedi, the end of the movie is uh is sorry this this cool guy that you like this actor that was so excited to be part of star wars so he could become a jedi he doesn't get to be a jedi it's just going to be some random orphans in this planet that we're apparently also never going to see again which is a different conversation oh, see, um i i, like, I those I, are fighting words man i understood again i understood the intention i i understand what uh, johnson's trying to do but i feel like he just dunked on the character of finn in service of a bunch of other stuff and that that's the sort of stuff that kind of as a quote-unquote fan with a big asterisk at the end i wanted to see finn really kind of grow and uh become like a much more important hero in the same way that i'd watch characters grow in the other two trilogies and here it felt like he had just kind of been shut down from that potential and given like a much smaller box that he could exist in poe is kind of the same way poe is very much your han solo your little your rogue your fun rebel uh, amongst rebels like Poe's a cool guy in the first one, and then in this one, he just sucks the whole time. Well, He's a jerk. He uh, I, and, and look, I'm actually not even against the idea that within the Rebel Alliance there is, uh, you know, uh, you know, opposing factions inside of it. We've seen that in other Star Wars. I think it can work well. It's it's an interesting idea. It's, you see it even in Rogue One, but here. There's like a clear line of command, and this whole movie, <laughs> even though there's no real reason that even like we like Poe because it's Oscar Isaac, we never really saw him do anything like really amazing. And then he shows up in this movie, he's like, I'm the smartest guy ever, and everyone should listen to me and my plans. Not this very like accomplished and and storied general who my boss trusts more than anybody else on the planet. I will not give that same respect to this random person. And I felt like, oh my god, like now this character is just kind of an asshole. Not even like a fun rogue, just like a full-on jerk. Okay, so again, try I tried try, I tried to watch the movie this week with Matt eyes, right? And uh <laughs> okay. and, and the post stuff, I will kind of see you that a little bit. I think the point of it is that to me, each of the characters in The Force Awakens are given this like you know when you go to the Cineplex and there's like four posters for the same movie and there's a character on it mm -hmm. and it will say like hero, villain, yeah. sage, whatever. Yeah. They were each given that thing. Like, yeah. like uh, you know. Uh, and And I think that Ryan Johnson was like they have to be more than that. And so Ryan Johnson messes with those things. So like, for instance, I want to talk about Finn first. To me, Finn is done so dirty by J.J. Abrams in 
the rise of Skywalker after Ryan yes. Johnson gave him actual purpose. So here's the thing. Oh, okay. I don't know that he. I don't know that I agree on the purpose. But let's hear well, it. Out. Let's, let's hear what I'm saying. Yeah. So in in the Force Awakens, he leaves. He stops being a stormtrooper yep. because he realizes it's not for him. Well, for whatever reason, he abandons that. <laughs> for some strange reason, he's like, "Oh, are we the bad guys?" Well, well yeah, yeah. <laughs> he realizes that at a weird point in his life, but whatever. We'll, we'll go with it. Um, but he's not a rebel yet. Mm-hmm. He has left, but he's not a rebel. And all of the of the Last Jedi is about him rejecting systems and becoming an actual rebel. You see him in the beginning rejecting hmm. this idea of like holding on to. He should be staying with the with the people, right? He should be staying with his people as they're under attack. But he he rejects that. He's gonna go find his friend. Well, that backfires. And then he goes to Canto Bite, and he sees this opulent world that he has dreamed of, and then he rejects that. And it's only at the end of the movie when he fights for his friends, when he fights for the rebellion, he fights for the mission here. Because he knows Ray isn't with them. This his whole motivation to be in the movie is protect Ray. But at the end, when he is when, when DJ betrays him, he is there and he is he says, You bastards, because they're going after the rebellion, not his friends, the rebellion. And he fights back for the rebellion. And so Ryan Johnson gives him an actual purpose besides I don't want to be a bad guy. Now it's I want to be a good guy. And I think that maybe that isn't executed as well as it could have been, but I think that that is I, I think that is the goal, and I think it it kind of gets there. Okay, I I hear you, but it still feels sloppy because I think you understand. I, I'll I'll kind of give you the like he's not a rebel yet. He's not like really part of the rebel alliance yet by the end of Force Awakens, but I think that you understand his trajectory by the end of that movie so to have him have to go through this whole solo journey and i'm, I'm saying solo in the fact that the first movie it's um ray finn poe and mm-hmm. here it's not they're they're more separate like to have him have that separate journey feels like okay then why did I, why do i need to see this broken down in this fashion because, because I think it uh, uh, get, get rid of like better. the timeline stuff by the way like i recognize this movie takes place in like what like two days or three days or it's like it takes place in a very short period of time right um like finn uh, oh sorry uh ray off on her own and exploring her identity and stuff like i actually don't mind any of that um i feel like poe doesn't really have any character growth in the movie and then finn's in this weird box where he is somewhere in between the growth that Ray gets and the Poe that the growth that Poe doesn't get. And that's where maybe this feels like it, he's put in a weirder box. Okay. I, again, I understand. I may not agree with him. I understand that. My argument with Poe is that I really think, and, and this is not a, a Brian original thought. I think this is pretty obvious if you watch the movies. <laughs> like the first movie is the Han Solo movie. The second yeah. movie is the Luke Skywalker movie. Yeah. And the third movie was supposed to be the Leia movie. Right. And I think that I'll have a comment on that, but yeah, I think they were building Poe up to be the new leader of the rebel Alliance. And you need to show him learning a lot of things to get there because he never gets there. Poe's story is worse. Like for instance, there is, there is a lot of people who will say that Luke in empire is obnoxious, that Luke doesn't complete his training, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, and all of that, it can be true. But when he throws away the lightsaber and says, I'm a Jedi like my father before me, you forget all of that because he gets to the place he was supposed to go. I think that the lack of Leia's involvement in 
Rise of Skywalker means that you can't get Poe to that moment. He never gets to the throw the lightsaber away moment um, where he fully becomes who he's meant to be. And so we look back on that more negatively. But I think watching it in the theater or right after, that's a very that's a very valid criticism. So I'll I'll take an aspect of what you said and jump to another one of my bullet points. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I think if you look at this from like a very high level and you think about it, it's like the, the Han Solo movie, the Luke movie, the Leia movie, like, okay, I could have understood that. Leia should have died in this one. And I really, that's one of the story things among other bullet points I have of story things I didn't like. That is one of the things I really didn't like. Now, you and I are longtime comic fans. We've all, we've, we've been through so many of the like, oh my God. I just read this Marvel or DC event where so and so died, and it was so amazing. They they you know gave themselves, and then like a year or two, they're they're back, right? right like right. Wonder Woman's an interesting example because you know I love Wonder Woman. I do. Uh, Wonder Woman is the big sacrifice at the end of uh, Death Metal, right? <laughs> but like obvious, and then like they've got what was it? It was Infinite Horizon. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Infinite or, Frontier. Infinite Fr- Frontier. Very close. Very close. And they, they've got that nice. You were thinking the, Vertical Horizon, the '90s yeah. band. Yeah, obviously, yeah. yeah. Um, because this is the story of a girl. No, that's not no, that, Vertical that's, Horizon. That, that, that's, that's nine, nine days. days. That's damn it. Okay, whatever. Uh, it it could have been a good joke. Real quick, what did they? Uh, uh, they did the something Rhapsody. No, they did. Uh, she's everything you want. She's everything you need. That song. I thought Vertical or or like something Symphony, Bittersweet Symphony. Was no, that's, that that's that's the Verve. <laughs> what I was going to say, uh, one of my proudest moments was I was at a bar once with friends, and my friend and I convinced these two girls at the bar that we were the drummer and bass player for nine days. Really? That's yes. funny. Um, I once went to a party with my friend, and we convinced everybody there that he was uh, playing a part in a, in a movie uh, by Richard Kelly, The Southland Tales, <laughs> yep. because we knew no one would ever see it. And the part that we convinced people that he was playing is Justin Timberlake's part in that movie. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> anyways. Uh, okay, Leia. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So infinite, infinite horizon, infinite um, everything. Uh, there's that wonderful cover with like Wonder Woman's like in the sky, and obviously they can't kill Wonder Woman because she's like one of the biggest characters DC has, and her book was still going, and Becky Clune and Michael Conrad started writing it and doing this whole Poorly. thing of her and like, uh, what was it the they were like in in Asgard. Yeah. But anyways, we know that in the uh you know the the world of uh, fandom killing off a character uh, can always be interesting, but that character comes back because people, someone has a great idea of why Bucky should be back. So, Leia, if Leia had died in that moment, there would have been real consequences for everything that was going on. There would have been real emotional turmoil for Kylo Ren. I know Kylo Ren like thought he killed his mom. Um, all, uh, Kylo Ren's whole story could have been better if he had actually killed. His mom, because he killed his dad. <laughs> like, what a, what why a does he moment. Have to kill, but why does he have to kill his mom, then? What a we, moment we've already of, seen like, that. the first one, it, like, seemed like he didn't want to do it. Here, there's all this stuff about Kylo Ren kind of being pushed even further by uh, uh, Snoke. Snoke, who I have another bullet point about. Like, his journey further, further down, it could have been interesting to see him really get uh, further and further pushed down into the dark side, right? Like, I hate the whole redemption of Kylo Ren thing. I think that's that's as boring as anything else. Um, and then even though they brought her back and she didn't die and, okay, like, she had force powers. It's like, yeah, you could probably have guessed that. I, you know, the, the story that they give in uh, Rise of Skywalker, like, it makes sense. Um, 
nothing comes from her being from him not having killed her. This moment felt like uh, it felt like Ryan Johnson had this. Uh, whether or not he was told he had to do this or not, I don't know. Uh, this moment could have been pivotal in some way, and then by the end of the movie, ultimately didn't matter, other than to take Carrie Fisher off of the screen for half of the film, so that Poe can be a total fucking asshole to Hondo. Like, there's just so much that could have been really wrapped up in this moment of Leia's death. I think it could have been wonderful motivation for Kylo Ren. I really think uh, if she had passed, maybe I would have been more okay with Poe being a jerk, because now he's really angry, but he knows that she's around somewhere. But I think he knows that, it's, I, I mean, I, I think part of his anger is he's worried about her, and he doesn't know how to express that. And so he's trying to be a leader in her absence and is bad at it. And is and that is how he learns to be a better leader. Although I will say this. I have no problem with Leia using the force. Um, you know, it was fine. It was a weird he, moment, but it was fine. Well, see, the way I look at it is like, so, you know, uh, it, you know, I'm sitting in my office here. My guitar is on the wall. If I had the if I had force powers, I could reach out and pull the guitar towards me. Right. But if mm -hmm. the guitar was bolted to the wall, if I did it long enough, it would pull me towards it. It's a gravity. Right. So I don't. Her fl quote, flying through space. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm not worried about the the oh, semantics of this. People, Is that people something were, people are mad. Oh okay. yes. Oh okay, yes, Matthew. Yes, people were very mad about that. Um, you know, I I have no problem with that. I I, I also you're think making that, me feel better about like disengaging from certain oh, communities and fandoms. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You should. <laughs> we should all disengage. Of course. That's the, that's the obvious answer. I'm just not strong enough to do it. That's all. Um, but no. The uh, you know, to me, the the, the story with Leia. And look, Carrie Fisher's death. If we make heartbreaking, yeah, and if we make it about Star Wars, we're assholes. It has nothing to do with Star Wars. She's a, she was a human being who died, and it doesn't matter what we think about stupid space operas. But yeah, it's a weird but, thing that like I, I felt a little bit of about this in like Black Panther too. Of like both of them had like funerals for fictional characters who were just embodiments of these real people too. And I don't know, it's like a weird, it's a weird thing to try and unpack that you start. Is. You watch uh, the funeral for Leia and slash Carrie Fisher in a feature film. It's a weird thing. Right. Well, I actually think that that and this is a whole other topic, but like if they had just started off, because to me, what's great about the end of The Last Jedi, and we'll get to some more things in a minute, is that Leia says everything we need, we have right here, right, to rebuild the rebellion, everything they need, they have in the Millennium Falcon. They have the Jedi text, they have Leia, they have... Poe and Finn and Rose and Ray and the droids and Chewie and uh, Neob Nub because why not? And uh, you know, so they have they have this core of people. And if the next film began at Leia's funeral, it would be this really beautiful thing of we had what we needed and it's not enough. Like there is still struggle to be mm. had here. I felt so cheap watching her, and and part of it is like when my kids watch that movie, they. Ben hasn't seen it. Amelia's seen it. I don't think Amelia realized that that stuff was filmed before Carrie Fisher died. And so maybe she can approach it from a more pure place. But as I'm watching that, I'm just, you can just, it, it's Livia Soprano in the armchair being yelled at by Tony one last time. Like it just doesn't really yeah, have a, a uh, too. like uh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really have a purpose, right? She doesn't do anything in that movie that makes any sense or that adds to the story at all. Um, but we couldn't have known that going into the last Jedi. And sure, so I, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so I, I just think that you know, you have to understand that it was shot and edited by the time she died. I think it even came out right before she died or right after uh, she died. I think I don't remember. 
it, times, it was, times I think a weird it was, one. I think it was within a month of her death, in one think, direction or another. Right, and then I think Rogue One was after she had died, so that they had that digital version of her in that at the end too. No, that's the opposite. I believe was I it believe, the opposite. It was Rogue it was One, the, and then this Rogue one? one. Yes, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. But regardless, it doesn't really matter. Um. About Leia, like not dying there. I actually think that the Kylo Ren story in this movie is the most interesting way to do the Kylo Ren story, which is that you you show that he isn't just this monolith of evil. Because that is a problem with so many bad guys in movies. They're just this monolith of evil. They wake up in the morning saying, how am I going to be evil today? Right? Like, but like he is, though. But he's not because he he has – there are so many moments where he is conflicted. But he doesn't kill it. That scene that you're talking about, he is there. His hand is on the trigger to shoot the ship. He doesn't do it, and the ship behind him shoots the ship. Yeah, he does. He doesn't shoot Leia. He's conflicted about that. Everything that he does with Ray, I really think he's not trying to turn Ray to the dark side. I think he means it when he says, "Throw the past away. Let's build something new." I think he means it when he says that. Well, I yeah, because think... that's the whole point of this movie is throw the past away and let's build something new. But I still right. think he's doing it from we. Uh, uh, he's it's still like a mega. Uh, Mega maniacal, mega maniacal. You know the yeah. word I'm trying to say. I do. Yes, yes. Like he's it's... not. He's not saying. Uh, it, it's it's not dissimilar to even what like Vader was telling Luke. Like, let's sure. go kill yes, the Emperor, so you and I can be the big bads together, right? right? right. Like, there's it's always two, a master and apprentice. Like that's but, one of the big things about right. the Sith. But I will say that first of all, I don't think Kylo Ren's a Sith. Uh, that's a whole other story, though. Um, but I will. He? He's 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 bad in some way. Uh, but he's not. He's not like he's not a Sith. I don't think he has the ideals of the Sith or anything like that. I think he's just a guy who wants power, whatever. Okay, so anybody that's like an evil Jedi is not by default a Sith. No, I wouldn't say so. Okay. I, um, I'm, well, I was also asking like from a canon perspective, but I guess I, I don't, don't care know. what the canon is. This, this, this is the Salvatore canon, baby. Um, <laughs> but but uh, I, I do think that there is conflict in him, and I think that the way that Luke fucks with that conflict at the end is what sends him to he should be pure evil at that point. That should be the last straw of his humanity gone. And then he's redeemed in the third movie and it blows. Um but I do think yeah. I, I I do think that there's interesting Kylo Ren stuff in this movie. Ultimately though, what if I had to sort of summarize our two positions on this, I would say that you and again, forgive me if I'm putting words in your mouth here. You wish that this was more tied to The Force Awakens. Sure. Yeah. I I feel like there are things in here where I understand where they are insulting to an audience, right? Like Luke throwing the lightsaber away, arguments about whether or not you can fly with force in space like i i could understand folks who are really really uh, deep in on certain things would find aspects of this insulting um or I, yeah if you hate women and people of color right um i do not hate women and people of culture and I, and I don't care as much about luke throwing away the lightsaber and i i told you like i'm not mad about the luke stuff i actually thought like that's one of the interesting things but as much as there may be interesting things or well-shot scenes, the throne room scene, the second half of the throne room scene, um, where they fight the royal guard, wonderfully Beautiful. done. That's a yeah. that's a super great sequence. I, I don't think anybody could argue about that. Um, there's just too much other stuff in here that is in service of this idea that Johnson has, 
along his his meta idea of like you know forget the past like let's move this into the future that just don't work when placed against the previous film it really to me like one of the first things that i wrote in my notes when i was trying to put down stuff for to talk about was that it uh, uh and i'll read it again it, i wrote force awakens loves star wars and last jedi hates star wars because i remember after the last jedi i remember coming out of that movie and being like i guess i don't like star wars because i don't like anything about this and if you think back to that like kind of perspective that you had like i loved rogue one and i hated the last Jedi, or i hate i don't like the, the last jedi whereas like you didn't like rogue one and you really liked the last jedi right? I, like, I, never, idea of... I never didn't like rogue one i just didn't like people saying it was the best star wars movie i like but it's like what is star wars i'm and for the listeners at home i'm doing that in in air quotes like what right. is star wars and if you're gonna make this, I understand all the points that you're making. Like Force Awakens brings people in, Last Jedi is supposed to help push us more into the future. That lack of vision behind the scenes to at least just say like, okay, like let's make sure these kind of dots connect a little bit better. You could feel it throughout the whole movie. This is a Ryan Johnson film. It's barely a sequel trilogy. And and now that the trilogy is done, you look at it and like, oh my god, these are just disparate things together. But, but... But I think that that is sort of the role of the third film, like what to try to, to, to bring it, it all together. Yeah, I, I think that, I think that that is what it is. I mean, I, I think that when you look at any trilogy, I'm trying to think of a good trilogy, and there's not that many out there. Um, What's your favorite trilogy? I mean, the Star Wars trilogy, but this, you know, so why don't we just use that one? <laughs> because because it's, Return of the Jedi is not very good. Um, I mean, it's you fine. Could the, you could even do the the prequel trilogy. There's there's more cohesion in in, in the prequel trilogy, and those are yeah. But that, wild. that's mostly yeah. But there's a lot of there's a lot more bad in the prequel trilogy too. I mean, there's good and there's bad, but there's but the see, bad so, is. But that's interesting because I look back at the prequel trilogy now, and uh 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 here's a fun fun fact that I think your listeners will enjoy. The only reason I own the prequel trilogy is because of you, because you bought it for me as a wedding present. Because I only true. ever I owned the original Star Wars movie, and then you bought me the Blu-ray box set that has all six films. Yes. And so I revisited them. I did a whole I, I did a day where we like watched the, all of them back to back to back, and then I started watching Clone Wars and and Rebels and all this stuff. Like, yeah, those films are messy, but like at their heart, they're they're honestly really good. Like okay, I I really really like the prequels now. It, with all the bad dialogue, all the bad acting, all the stupid things that happen in them, I like the prequel trilogy way more than I like the sequel trilogy. If I would watch the prequel trilogy anytime, and I will only watch any of the sequel trilogy when my when friend texts you? me and says, <laughs> "Will you come and talk about this on the podcast with me?" Uh, I appreciate that. I love you too. But um, what what I will say is that to me. The pre and this is something you taught me actually. Okay, you and I when I was when I started writing for Multiversity, I was already writing a lot about other things, music and film and that. But I had never written about comics really before. And one of your first notes to me was write less about the plot. The plot doesn't <laughs> matter as much. Write about what gets to the plot. Is the writing good? Is the art good? And like it's a great note, and I give that note. That's the first note I give anyone right now who starts writing for Multiversity. I steal your note. Um, so thank you. Uh, and generations of writers who didn't get paid for their work, thank you as well. Um, <laughs> I, I have only lost money in multiversity. I always say that. I've, I've only lost money in multiversity. Same. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think that the sequel trilogy is all plot. And all the plot's good. 
Anything that isn't plot in the sequel trilogy is bad. Like the acting is not very good. The special <laughs> effects are not very good. The uh, the blocking is not very good. But the plot, like getting you to understand how all this stuff happens, all the plot is. If you just told me, here's what's going to happen in the Phantom Menace, right? You're going to meet young Obi Wan, and you tell that story. That sounds like a good story. It's it's the execution of them that doesn't work as well for me. Whereas I think the sequel trilogy, you can make a very valid point that the plot is the worst part of the sequel trilogy. But the first two movies have a lot of really good performances, have great music, have um, really good cinematography, especially in the second movie. I think that like, the throne room scene, for instance, I, the battle on crate at the end with the red kicking up under the white. Like, there's a lot of striking, beautiful visuals in that movie. I think that you could say that the sequel trilogy is more about all the parts that aren't the plot. Because if you talk about the plot of the sequel trilogy, it's kind of insane. It's like, so there's this yeah. new republic, and then the Empire is back, but with a new name. And somehow, they just, Palpatine somehow, returns. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. they just, you know, so it's just, it, it's, it, it's kind of messy plot, but it's good everything else. Whereas I think the sequel trilogy is good plot, messy everything else. But see, like, I love a good art house film. I don't think you can get by with a Star Wars that has a good vibe in the same way that, like, you watch like a, a I'm I'm trying to try to just pick like the most easy like relevant re reference I can. Like you can watch a David Lynch movie and not really understand the plot, but David Lynch's movies are never really about the plot. They're about the stuff that you're talking about, right? Yeah. It's really about everything else going on. You're um, aware that he was supposed to at one point direct Return of the Jedi, right? <laughs> yeah, and then he did the. That's how I think Dune came about. Exactly. Yes. Right. Um, God, God and... bless. God bless the world where where uh, David Lynch directed Return of the Jedi. <laughs> But, like, uh, you watch, like, Mulholland Drive, and Mulholland Drive, like, it has a plot, but, like, by the time you get to that end of the movie, that's not really the plot that's carrying that movie anymore. It is everything else you're talking about, how it's shot, the colors, the music, it, that, that's, that's, that's Lynch's thing. It's, it's vibe. Hell, you watch the uh, third season, the, whatever, it's the, the return of Twin Peaks, right? Like, this was all vibe. one episode that has any plot out of that whole thing, and that, that final episode is just vibe. Right. Yes, yes. It is an hour of vibe. Yeah. But you can't do that with a Star Wars, at least not with a tentpole Star Wars. Maybe you could take one of these uh, spinoffs or TV shows or whatever's and have that be about vibe. But this is and, and whether or not we acknowledged it at the time, this is the like the Skywalker saga. Right. Like that's how it's mm -hmm. referred to now in the same way that if uh, uh, again, just to pick on it, like Marvel has. The Infinity Saga. Mm -hmm. all, all those movies are like, you know, plot first, kind of like you're saying. There's If there was a movie in there that was like vibe first, I think we'd all be like, what was this one weird little thing in the Infinity Saga that was just about emotions and colors and, and, and whatever, right? Like, I think it would, it would obviously stand out as abrasive in the same way that I think The Last Jedi stands out as abrasive for people who look at this as a complete whole, as part of a unit. I think if you pulled, and maybe this goes back to... Um, we were talking about it at the beginning with uh with uh when we were talking about Wednesday on Netflix, right? Like uh people look at certain Star Wars things now and I, I think probably feel similar similar things, whether it's Rogue One or Andor, right? Like, oh, you could take all of the Star Wars aspects out of Andor and it would still probably be like a pretty good show. Because right. it doesn't need to be Star Wars. It is, it's part of the universe and it, you know, builds on certain ideas and adds to the canon, yada yada yada. Um The Last Jedi just feels like this weird little abrasive thing that doesn't mesh into this larger picture that the Skywalker saga 
is telling. For for some fans, it does, and I'll, I'll recognize that. I'm not trying to uh, say it's all uh, or, or try to paint it with one brush. But so I, the only thing I will say, and first of all, I I do think that I think that the least cohesive of the three movies is the Rise of Skywalker. I think. Well, that feels... yeah, that's it is obviously a mess because that that whole movie is just like. <laughs> let's learn this car around <laughs> right yeah exactly and yeah, not so, very successfully <laughs> and and i think have you read and again you, the answer is probably no because you have disengaged as a smart man have you read colin trevorrow's duel of the fate script i read the script i remember i think i read maybe like an article on polygon that just like called out a couple things that uh or, or some of the cool ideas that he had been playing with and i remember reading it and being like okay like yeah again neat ideas so his script, I think, would have done if they had filmed that script. I think it would have done a lot of the stuff that we are th- not we that you are complaining about with the Last Jedi in terms of connecting it to the Star Wars to the Skywalker saga. I think it had a really good point of view about how to square all those plots and put them into something that that makes sense at the end. And I do sure. think that, like, I, I do think that that is the job of the third movie of a trilogy. And that's why I think if you want to direct any of them, you want to direct the second part. Because the first part you have to put everything on the you you have you have to set the stage in the first part and yeah. the third part you have to clear the stage at the end of it, but the middle part you get to kind of do what you want and not not in a and I I don't think that Ryan Johnson hates Star Wars or made a film about hating Star Wars nor do I think he made a film that doesn't connect with with Star Wars or feel like Star Wars I disagree with all those points pretty <laughs> fundamentally but I it is certainly the least conventional Star Wars film of the Skywalker saga take okay. Two. He grew one of it. It's the least conventional of those films. I want and, you to answer a question then for me. Give me let, let me finish what I'm going to say, and then okay, I'm happy to. Yeah, um, I think that when Abrams decided, because I mean, and you're an improv guy, you know improv. Like there's a concept of yes yeah, and, right? And, yeah, and and so you got to open the door. Yeah, and he slammed the door shut. The entirety of the Rise of Skywalker is no but. It's no, but this actually happened. No, but this, right? And so I think that if somebody had yes added that movie, it would be seen very differently by you and by people who are who dislike the movie for reasons that are valid and not race, racial or sexist. Anyway, ask me your question. What is the point of Phasma? Oh, zero. That is, that is one of the things I wrote down. Is what is the I point actually, of Phasma? I actually have a fun idea about Phasma. Because they had it's... to explain why Phasma matters like in a comic book. It's a novel and it sucks, but um, okay, that doesn't suck. It's okay. It's half a good novel and half shit. But I thought that Phasma was going to be a character that was going to keep showing up and dying and coming back, and no one knew why. Because Phasma <laughs> dies at the end of the Force Awakens, like she's on a yeah. circular base and a bl- base and it blows up, and then she dies at the end of the Last Jedi. And I thought, yeah. like, bring her back and for- like if you're gonna do it twice, do it three times, baby. Like you know. Um, but, the, but that is, I don't think that the, I, I think that again, like for, I think that Finn killing her or uh, he doesn't kill her, Finn defeating her yeah. is the part yeah. that matters because it is, it is the full rejection of his past life. She says, you've always but been see, scum. And he says, rebel scum. And yeah. it is a full, re- it is a full <laughs> rejection. A terrible, terrible line. Yeah. Sure, but but it's but it's a full it, it, it's it's him it's him fully throwing his lot in with the rebellion. But see, to me, and the reason why I chose to reference my Phasma note instead of some others that I haven't brought up yet, um, that to me also feels emblematic of why I also think like the Last Jedi is a little bit more abrasive when put against 
the force awakens because that is one of those really awkward moments of cohesion that i think we can agree on right yes. like yes the 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 place they left phasma in film one basically just an idea of a character and then ryan johnson took it and tried to do something with it and, and okay we're done with it like he, but, he just kind of put it in a place where the third movie definitely couldn't couldn't have done any anything with that character. So why did we bother? Why not just leave that character quote unquote dead in the first place? Instead, I, in and and again, I don't want to like judge the Last Jedi against its sequel because that's not the goal here. But like you can even see in the last uh, sorry you can see the Rise of Skywalker where they're like okay I guess we're gonna just hire Richard E. Grant to play a bad guy for a while now because this other bad guy is just gone like we you couldn't even do something interesting like what lucas did with um uh christopher lee i was right. gonna uh, I, I didn't want to say the uh, oh I, I didn't want to say duco i was trying to say christopher lee like okay. christopher lee's not in the first one right he's not in phantom menace and then the second film he's a huge part of it but it's like a lot of mystery about him and a lot of just like ideas of like what makes Dooku cool up until the end and the, the final fight. And then in the third one, that's when they're like, cool. Now we've got uh, Dooku. Dooku's on the ropes. We're done with him. His death is the catalyst for everything else that happens in that film. Right. Right. Like, I think that's an example where you can have a character that is kind of like that background thing or that background villain, like someone that's helping to move the plot along very very minimally still play big parts in between them and it's only much it's like years later dave filoni is like yeah i'm making this cartoon i'm gonna do a bunch of episodes that involve dooku and i'm gonna make make you uh, see why dooku matters i'm like oh yeah that's cool yeah i i, I think that, that ma i think that's a good point but i will say that i think that is on pablo hidalgo and the story team to like or or on the contract that she was hired to be in two films and it, like I, I think that there's i think that ryan johnson probably was told oh, is, is that wait is that really all it is is they they made her do two I, films i mean I, i'm gonna guess that a lot of it has to because the, 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 there's a story group at star wars that that gives you like the basic beats of your story and then mm -hmm. you are to make of that what you want i think that, at least that, that's how it worked in the prequel in the sequel trilogy i think it's now changed but like so mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if there was just like, listen, we want Phasma in two of these films. We want to sell more Chrome Stormtrooper toys or whatever. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So I don't. I, I have a hard time praising or blaming anybody for stuff like that because I think that is something that was likely dictated from above. Maybe sure, and, and I'll I'll allow it. And I'm not even against. Hey, here's this like film or television show that we're making just to sell a toy. Like I like Transformers. I get it. <laughs> um well i liked transformers i do not like these current movies uh bumblebee is probably the exception um but see i i guess that's kind of the like phasma is in a lot of ways the encapsulation of like all of the other notes that i like whether or not we agree on like whether the leia thing uh was done well finn or poe i had another note here that's basically the same as the phasma note phasma note but about snoke like uh i'm okay with this concept Jim generally i'm okay with this concept of uh build and build and build and, and improv and yes and i just think that between how ryan johnson came into it with what he was yes anding it reminds me of um uh, you've seen the office of course right? yes there's that episode somewhere early in the office where michael scott is taking improv and ken jong is there 
I keep pulling the gun out. Michael ends every scene by just pulling out guns. Like they're like, okay, Michael, Michael, you got to stop. And then, you know, he has that scene with Ken Jong, and uh, Ken is like doing something on the floor and Michael whispers in his ear and Ken, Ken puts his hands up yeah. and they're like, what did, what did Michael say to you? And Ken's like, he said he has a gun. <laughs> like <laughs> to me, that's how it feels like Johnson's approaching some of these improv elements uh, in that he's trying to yes. And, but I don't think he's doing it in the spirit or the way uh, uh, that the the Force Awakens was trying to do, which is okay in theory. And I think what you get at the end of this is, uh, <laughs> please don't hate me for saying this. It's like not dissimilar to Man of Steel, in which at the heart of Man of Steel, there's probably a good Superman movie buried somewhere deep inside of it. It's just really hard to see for someone like me uh and man of steel is probably more analogous for <laughs> how i feel about last jedi for you of like yeah it's like obvious there's something good somewhere in here but i don't like this i'm not having a fun I mean, time I, man of steel sucks right uh last jedi is awesome so that that's the where it's where it's different but uh no i, I but I like you get what i'm saying of like you look at you look at man of steel and i know you love superman and i know you love dc and you can see in man of steel there are those things that you're like, oh yeah, like I like this 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 quiet little moment that Henry Cavill's sure, done. Like Henry sure. Cavill's a good Superman, and okay. then you zoom out and you see all of this other stuff about the Man of Steel, and you're like, this is just not a good movie. This is not what I want from my superhero films at this sure you know sure. point in my life. And, and I think I think where I want the Superman at the end of Black Adam. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> is that sure? Sure. We have to bleep that for spoilers. Is it? Is, no, they, no. they kind of spoiled it themselves. They right? did spoil it themselves, and it's been it's been long enough now. But um, yeah. but no, what, what I'll say is this: I, I think that where I come, where I will say I am different in my approach to the Last Jedi versus like Man of Steel, let's say, is that I think I don't think Ryan Johnson undid anything from no. the Force Awakens. I don't think he undid Jedi. It. I just think he doesn't like it. Okay, fair. I think that J.J. Abrams undoes almost everything Ryan Johnson did in The Rise of Skywalker. Sure, like yeah. The first 100%. hour of that movie is 100%. a repudiation of The Last Jedi. Yeah, and, the, and the, I, literally the first second of that movie is just like, The Last Jedi did not happen. <laughs> yes, Um, but I will say that I think that there has to be I don't want to use the word style points because that is the wrong way to think of this. But, <laughs> but I think that when you bring in directors of a certain ilk, like the reason that David Lynch didn't direct uh, Return of the Jedi probably is because it would have been bizarre and not a good Star Wars movie for what they wanted from it. Right. Sure. And I think when you bring in Ryan Johnson and Colin Trevor, I've never seen a Colin Trevorrow movie. I have no attachment to Colin Trevorrow as a as a creator. Um, but I feel like when you bring in guys that are being brought in for their for their history, you have to expect them to do what is in their nature to do. And I think that Ryan Johnson is not a cookie cutter filmmaker. And if you didn't want somebody to approach this from a more arty left of center approach, then you probably shouldn't have hired Ryan Johnson. And that is my big problem is that you, if you've seen Brick or Looper or Brothers Bloom, as three films before mm -hmm. that movie, his films have twists. They have, they have, um, they have approaches that are not necessarily straight, straight ahead. There's a lot of nuance in his stuff, and so if you want that guy to make your Star Wars movie, you can't get mad when that guy makes your Star Wars movie. And I'm not saying that's what you're saying, 
But I think a lot of people feel mm-hmm. that way, that they, they want somebody with less personal vision in order to execute the company line. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I think it, I think there should be a healthy mix in the same and, way that yeah. Lucas didn't direct the second two Star Wars films. He didn't direct Empire. He didn't re- uh, direct Return. But he was there and he was part of it and he was helping to guide the story. Right, like J.J. Abrams left a couple notes and was like, "Good luck," and then they they gave Ryan Johnson full creative control. So you're right, like you got a Ryan Johnson movie, and in in that that idea or that that uh, that that attempt is not it, it's not like uh, something I would I'm theoretically against as a concept. Um, like I said, for the most part, uh, you look at the Marvel films, right? Like those trilogies suck as trilogies but like movie to movie like yeah you you thor ragnarok is better than thor the dark world like yeah i get it um so i'm not against the idea i just think with something like the skywalker saga and with the sequel trilogy it's different than when you're telling us like a story over 22 films that they can be their own thing and they'll all unite up at, at the end with these crossover films or whatever right like i think the skywalker saga and the sequel trilogy uh, needed a little bit more cohesion. And I, I just kind of wish that there was someone who was working with uh, Johnson who could have been like, well, uh, this scene, and, like take every other like story aspect I, I didn't like personally. Like this scene, like the way this character is ask, uh, acting, it doesn't like feel like that character or it doesn't really seem in line with what that character would do right like that it's very common in television where uh the mandalorian right like the mandalorian has different directors all the time there's the uh you've got a couple who who do it over and over and over but you know they brought in rob rodriguez for that boba fett episode and at no point i think when you watch the mandalorian you watch it and you're like oh wow like din jarn like he doesn't the mando like doesn't feel like himself in this episode you know Mm -hmm. and i think that to me is it works in the television capacity. Like, why didn't it work better in the film capacity? Where was that person behind the scenes? Where was where was your your Star Wars writer room who were being like, ah, oh, like something feels a little bit like add in Rose. That's wonderful. Add in new characters. Do fun new stuff. Uh, why don't these characters feel a little bit more like they did in the last one? Maybe it's because they split them apart. And so if the first and the third film is that you've got your three main characters really kind of interacting with each other the whole time and here they're on their own. And maybe that's what I felt was a little bit abrasive, too. I will but... also say that Ray and Poe don't meet till the end of The Last Jedi. They're never together in the first film. They're, they're never in the same place at the same time. Oh, fair, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, there's a there's a lot of duo then. In there, is movie, a, there, there is not a lot of else. not a lot of exactly. trio. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, fair. But, totally but, fair. And what I'll say too is this: is that you know, I think we're both big Edgar Wright fans, aren't we? Yeah, I like Edgar. Yeah, I like Edgar Wright. I think Edgar Wright not working on Ant Man is like the example of why people don't like Ryan Johnson's Star Wars because because he left because he didn't have enough creative control, right? So yeah, him and Kim and Joe Cornish were working on Ant Man and. I think that was when Feige was like a lot more micromanaging. I yes. think they, I think he's he's definitely gotten less micromanaging now, but I think that was the story, right? And I, yes. and I remember he shared something about, um, oh my God, who's that uh, actor? 
he shared a picture of Buster Keaton. Thank you. Yeah, the Buster Keaton thing. Yeah, because Buster Keaton was basically started United Artists because he did not. He yep. was sick of the the micromanaging of the studio system, right? Yep. And and so I think that on one hand, you have to have there. There's only two paths here. You either have it so tight that people like Edgar Wright can't make their movie, or you have to have it loose enough that Ryan Johnson can make his. And if I'm going to err there's on the, there's got to be a road between those two roads. But but, there, but there really isn't because I think that you're but, but, I, yeah. But again, look at Mando. Like Favreau's Favreau's like the guy behind all of that alongside yeah, and, Filoni. But when Favreau and Filoni aren't involved in an episode, it still feels like Mando. It does, but I also think that. I mean, I know it's not true that I mean you and I, you or I cannot walk on that set and direct the way that the directors of Mandalorian do. But I think the directors of a of the average feed, the average non, um, franchise film, the director probably has seventy percent of the control of what hap- what you get on screen. You know, yes, there's a script and there's producers, but the director really is the one who shapes the vision. Mm-hmm. I think of Mandalorian, the director's have about fifteen percent control. <laughs> they're just like bring them in as like occasional guests yeah yeah because it's just you know because everything's shot on the volume and so they have all the sit all the sets are made beforehand digitally and it all has to fit into this neat little package and so the directors get their 10 to 15 percent and it's fun and it's cool but it's not the same like it's not you are you are not getting a bryce dallas howard mini film yeah. when she directs an episode yeah, of right. Mandalorian. you're getting her inserting a little bit of her into this thing that's already moving. And I think that there is, look, again, it's plot versus artistry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and to me, the directors of The Mandalorian are brought in to further the plot, whereas I thought the directors of the Skywalker saga were brought in to do more than just get from point A to point B. But it sounds like maybe in this case, you'd be better with them just getting from point A to point B. And that's a totally valid opinion. I think... Uh, all things considered, I don't. Uh, I am. I'm not such a purist, or, or or I'm not so stingent in my fandom, especially now. I remember if you if we'd had this podcast like 20 years ago, uh, <laughs> um, or or even even at like the start of Multiversity days, when you would have like an adaptation of some comic book thing into a TV show or movie, and it wasn't. I'm trying to think. Like, okay, Preacher is probably a good example. Did you watch the Preacher TV show? I did not, but I've also never read the Preacher comic. So I mean, I've read, uh, I've read the issues here and there. I've never read the whole thing. It was like the first thing that came uh, came to mind for whatever reason. I mean, I'm but familiar like, with or, it. So uh, go for it. Like even like the boys actually is maybe even a good modern. Have you watched watch the boys? Never read or watched the no. boys either. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll use the boys because I'll have a, a much more salient talking point. I have read every issue of the boys, and I, I think the boys sucks. I am one of those people that was like reading the boys because i i think i'd read like the first you know couple arcs and i was like oh yeah the boys is cool and like the further and further you get into the boys it's like this sucks but i just have to stay till the end because i'm an, a, an idiot I've, I've seen every episode of how i met your mother right like i'm an idiot right I've, I, oh no i've seen i have actually literally seen every single episode of the simpsons including every single new one i've still not given up on the simpsons like wow. i am an idiot okay but 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 even the simpsons gets a good episode once in a while sure, right sure. and so if we had done this like years ago and i'd watched like the boys tv show and it's not exactly like the book. I'd be like, "Oh, this sucks," because you've already had the book. Why do you? Why do you need this different version or, or whatever? Now the 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 twenty twenty two Matt watches the TV show The Boys. I'm like, "Thank God it's not like the book." It's right. Thank God they deviated. <laughs> like same with Preacher. Like they deviated pretty heavily from this book that I absolutely loved, and both of 
both Garth Innes and uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. But uh, with Preacher, they deviated and they made it work. And I, I think they made really good TV shows. Like, I'm not so stingy that I need it to be all lined up wonderfully in front of me with no... You can't, you're not allowed to trip. You're not allowed to deviate. I love twists. Do as many twists as you want. But I still do think that um, uh, Force Awakens into Last Jedi. I'm trying to put myself back into my mindset when I was in the theater watching. We, we got, we got uh, tickets for the night of. We were lined up outside the theater when you know our local uh you know, you know our local news affiliate came by and filmed everybody in the line and we waved. I remember sitting in the back of the theater with me, uh, Jess, our other friend Matt, our friend John Lane. We're all we all have our switches because we're just fucking killing time before that. Like we're like happy to be here and excited. There's people dressed up, and I'm so I'm putting myself in that mindset. And I'm like, okay, I didn't love the Force Awakens. Really liked Rogue One. I'm ready to see how The Force Awakens evolves. And as it evolved into what was The Last Jedi, the way that it evolved is obviously not A to B, like you're talking about. It's like kind of like A to C or A to D, um, maybe A to B and a half. I don't know. And that's that that part where I was like, this is not really a sequel to The Force Awakens. It's just taking stuff that The Force Awakens does uh, or had throwing out all of this nostalgia stuff <laughs> kind of going in its really own direction and i can't see the two movies together and that's why when i left the last jedi uh in the theaters and I, I, the second time i saw it like i was on a plane and i was just like oh like let's kill time i'm gonna give this a second thought ideal way to see the movie is on a plane i, I remember still thinking uh watching it and thinking like god this just doesn't feel like a follow-up and see, I guess that is that is where we're going to have to agree to disagree because to me it mm -hmm. does feel like a, a follow up, and it does feel like a growth. Like that, I guess that's that is where I see it. Maybe a little bit differently is like I want each film to not be a straight line, but to be a step up in terms of something. I don't. I don't mean quality. I mean you're you're ratcheting the story up more. There, the stakes are higher. The the drama is deeper, and I think that the Last Jedi does that in almost every way from yeah. the Force Awakens. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a I mean, the happy <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, the happy ending of the Force Awakens is that most of the Resistance is destroyed, Luke is gone, and all they have fits on the Millennium Falcon, a ship that has been oh, called that's garbage. The last Jedi. Okay, last Jedi. Last Jedi. That's what I meant. Uh, you know, um. A shit that's called garbage in almost every movie, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> that is that is all that's left of the rebellion, and that is, I mean, that's super high stakes. But it still ends with optimism, and that that coda at the end is not about some random kid becoming a Jedi. It's about the story of Luke Skywalker and the hope of the rebellion informing the informing the hope of the galaxy. Which again, Ryan Johnson sets up. So in, in the Last Jedi, they send out a, a distress call for help, and nobody comes. In the Rise of Skywalker, they send out a distress signal for help, and everyone comes. And there is no good explanation as to why it works one time versus the other. But Johnson sets it up that the reason it works the second time is because Luke has restored hope to the galaxy. And I think I don't know. I don't know, know that I agree that he did. I will the, say the I'll give you this: these kids on cancel bite are telling his story. I like grumpy angry luke i was not mad at that i like ray's story i i even liked 
raise nobody. I have literally no problem with any of those things. And in fact, of all like the different twists that uh, it's even more annoying that the third film exists, like Ray being a nobody, that probably would have been wonderful if they've if they kept that yeah. throughout. Um, and yeah, l- literally no problem with angry, grumpy Luke, who then comes back at the end to do the, the force protection thing. I have no problem with Ray having like. I, I wasn't one of the things that people said Ray didn't earn her force powers, right? Yes. That's, a, that's yeah, a, one, one of the critiques. She, she's a Mary Sue, yes. Oh, yes, yeah. Because she's just like, for some reason, she's strong. Like, yeah, of course she is. Why not? Um, I don't have any problems with those. But, like, uh, Luke kind of the, – the Luke inspiration thing just felt flat to me. I didn't, I didn't feel the same thing at the end of that movie or even that same kind of, I don't know, emotional – glory of that sequence with kylo ren like interesting uh, well done well shot interesting way that they did that with all of the ATATs. like again visually great wonderful vibe but even like he comes out and they do like every single sentence you just said in there is wrong and oh, I, it's like but see that, but that's it's like an, it's like a good line but i just remember being like okay but see here's the thing <laughs> george lucas is famously dunked on for saying that star wars rhymes that is something that he says yeah 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 it's, it's but, rhymes it's like poetry yeah exactly yes but in when when Ray he asks Ray on Act Two, what is the Force? And she says something. Just everything you just said is wrong. And then it arrives at the end of the movie. He does it to Kylo Ren, and they're a dyad in the Force, and it's connecting the two of them even more. So it's perfect. It's a, See, it's a perfect... I sh- that's what I should feel, and that's it. It it I don't feel the same thing as you do, unfortunately. And, that's, <laughs> and that is totally fine. But look, I have to say, I think we each listened very well to the other one during this conversation. And I'll I'll give the Last Jedi probably a little bit more credit than I would have if we hadn't had this conversation. I'm still not a fan, but I, sure. I understood and a lot of the stuff that you were saying. Like, here are these good things about it. I'm like, okay, yeah. I wish I had felt that same uh, enjoyment and joy that you did. Sure. I'll, I just really do remember we we're on the train home. And I remember looking at my friend and being like, yeah, I guess I just don't like Star Wars. Uh, I see, thought I liked Star Wars. Apparently, I don't. That's so funny to me. <laughs> because my, my friend Ken and I were like almost hugging walking out of the theater scene the last uh, time. We, we, were, we, we felt it so hard. I remember um, John walked away and he's just like, I'm just going to go. And he like uh, got in his car and left. And then me, Matt, and Jess got on the train and we were just kind of bummed. <laughs> oh, no. See, it's, it's, I, and again, I, I think a lot of times who you see a movie with and how they feel does impact how you feel. Um maybe you know, i like, used to do a whole podcast about that and we don't do it anymore because we got i got tired of listening to them <laughs> well i missed that podcast i'll say that i missed that podcast i mean i i was having fun but you can only do every episode where the your two co-hosts fucking hate that they're there for so long <laughs> that is fair that is that, that is very fair um my last question for you before we get out of here oh yeah yeah, yeah is sorry. do you want to see more Star Wars stories with these characters, or are you happy to put these characters to bed and do something else? That's an interesting one because I, uh, out of all of the Star Wars media that I have since consumed, I've definitely avoided like Star Wars Resistance, like the cartoon that has these characters. Uh, that that is right? almost none of these characters. <laughs> no, Poe is in it. And... A little bit, a little bit of Poe. That's really it. Really? Okay. Yeah, and it takes place between. Uh, Right before the Force Awakens, so it's not. It is. But see, like, I, I, I think what I'm trying to say by that is like, I'm just not even like that interested in this era. That's why I'm asking. Like, I when when if you're like Matt, good news. 
Dave Filoni is doing another show that takes place during the Clone Wars, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, like, give me a fifth one. Like, this is wonderful. Um, if you're just like, yeah, we're going to tell this other, like, Star Wars story, like like Mando and, and Book of Boba Fett. Like, I didn't love Book of Boba Fett, but, you know, it's in between those two. It's, it's in that era. Like, I'm still excited about that, too. If you were to tell me, yeah, we're going to do this story that takes place in between Last Jedi and Rise, I would probably be like, do i have to like <laughs> so i think i think my my answer is no um in a, in a way i would love to see these characters redeemed i really would um and I, when i say redeemed i mean like for rise um like i think that i really did like ray i liked uh her in force awakens i liked her in the last jedi i li liked her story all complaints about the last film aside like I, it's it, it sucks that um you know, we're not going to really get to see anything more of that character or or whatever. Um, Finn, too, is someone that I really, really liked Finn in the first one. I was kind of bummed by the second two. There is part of me that would love to see those characters get redeemed. And maybe it's like an, even in like a comic book. They, they've probably done no. some comic book that I've no. No, no, they yeah. still haven't done. The funny thing is this the, era. the only thing that has been really made from this era is that there are two or three Lego Star Wars specials that yeah pick up the, I saw one it. of them that's it and and in I those the holiday, I think I just saw like a regular like Christmas special there's a holiday like a one there's a Halloween one there's a Valentine's Day one I think maybe and there's a summer vacation no summer vacation yes. is uh, not it, this era no it is it, it is, is? Yes. Oh, okay um in those movie in those specials by the way confirm that Finn is force sensitive. Yeah, there. What I remember the joke. Uh, I think I saw the one where he like picks it up and then he like throws it behind him, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and I do have. I have. I actually have Lego Skywalker Saga. Um, I have not played the sequels in oh. the Lego Skywalker Saga, but I will <laughs> at some point. That that yeah. that I'll get there someday. Yeah. I just we got it and I was like, I was like, oh, we got to play the prequels. Like that's fun. Right. So yeah, right. I don't know. Uh, there is an aspect of me that if you were to say, hey, this thing came out and it's all about Ray and it's after uh it's after the last film and it's this really really wonderful story about Ray. I probably wouldn't go to check it out until someone like you called or texted me to say like you've you've got to you got to go to the store and and buy The Vision. You're going to love it. <laughs> like yeah. that's the last thing I remember you like really bullying me. Not bullying me, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. just like overly texting me like have you bought this book yet? And I was like no did I you, haven't. Did you end up enjoying it or no? Yeah, I, I really liked the vision. Okay, I, okay. I, I, I thought it, it's actually I have a comic book rack in my room, and the vision is on it. Okay. Um, it's but it's also not dissimilar to like Game of Thrones. Like Game of Thrones left such a sour sour taste in my mouth. I haven't watched House of the Dragon. Mm -hmm. Um, I like I don't care anymore. I know Walt, our friend Walt, has texted me and been like, "No, like House of the Dragon is pretty good. Like you should check it out." And I'm still like, uh, I don't know. So I'd need I would need you to come and convince me to see anything related okay. to this era. But okay. any other Star Wars, all you'd have to say like, oh yeah, there's this like Andor spinoff or there's uh, the Ahsoka show or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, like count me in. I will I will watch Star Wars. Okay, interesting. Um, this is I'm, I'm actually even uh, trying my first book. By the way, uh, oh. you have you have recommended novels to me, and I tried to read a p like Multiversity got like a PDF maybe I think of one like yeah, it, yeah. it wasn't for me, but I did go and buy a book to show you how excited I am about some of the upcoming Star Wars stuff. I went and I bought the first okay. Thrawn book. That's actually the ninth, that's the seventh Thrawn. This is the seventh book? No, yes. this is the one. This is they said this is the first one. So there there were three that are now out of continuity. 
the Timothy okay. Zahn ones from the early 90s. That that was my entree into Star Wars beyond the movies. And that's the reason I love Star Wars now is the uh, that trilogy. Then there's a second trilogy that is in continuity. And you're, yeah. that you're holding the, the first the book. book of, that's Thrawn the book Ascendancy. Of, that's the third trilogy. That's the first book of the third trilogy. But this one says this is like him as like a young man. So this is a prequel? Yes. The prequel, prequel trilogy? Yes. God damn it. I got to go find the original trilogy. Well, I tried. The point of the story is I tried. Here's the, here's the thing. I will say this. Don't, I mean, the Timothy's on the original trilogy. Timothy's on wrote all of them, but the yes. original ones yeah. that are not in continuity, they're great, but they're not, they're not going to help you for what you're trying to do. There is one just called. Thrawn. I just want to spend more time with this character because I really like Rebels and I'm really excited for Ahsoka. Yeah. I would say go get, there's one just called Thrawn that came out by Timothy's on maybe in 2015 or so. Thrawn, no additional subtitle. No, no, and there's three of those, and then Thrawn Ascendancy is the next trilogy after that. Shit, okay. I bought in the wrong one, then. I tried. Of, <laughs> in terms of release, it, I, I don't know if you have to read them in any order or not. Um, uh, yeah, I have no idea. Uh, I guess this, for me, will be... Because um, I was like, what's the what's the, like the, the earliest Thrawn story? Right, right. And that sure. gave me, I think, maybe a timeline order, where it was Thrawn okay. Ascendancy. Sure, sure. Versus like, an actual, literal release order. Right, right. Makes so sense. that's that's why I bought this one. But okay, okay. I'll, we'll, but yeah, no, we'll but get there in the end. They're good. The, the, the Thrawn books are good. Um, I'm excited. That original Thrawn trilogy, like from the 90s, is um, maybe still my favorite, like ancillary Star Wars media. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just it's really, really good. And it, because it, but again, like it does stuff that now, like, you know, eventually Luke gets married in that and, you know. Uh, that doesn't happen, and Han, Han and Leia have twins, and that doesn't happen, you know. And uh, oh, is that is that was the one about? I remember in elementary school, you could buy these books at like the Scholastic Book Fairs. Yep, and it's like something about like Vader's uh, or Luke's hand, maybe or Vader's hand. Uh, there, you know there is yes, uh, those are the books. Yes, and it was a uh, was one of the twins, Jaina. Jaina, am I? Yes, yes. What's the other one called? Named. Uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna drive me crazy. It's Jaina and hang on. I remember like I, I remember uh, Star Wars books being big when I was a kid. I still have like I remember like the book of Jabba's palace, and it's like lots of little stories of like characters in Jabba's palace, or like the book of bounty hunters, and it's like yep. here's a Bosk story and here's a Dengar story. Yep. But I never read like actual. I don't think I ever read novels, but I, I remember there was like these very thin books written for uh, kids or young adults or something, the, and it had to do with them finding like Vader's severed hand or something. That is like a that. different. That is different, but that that spins out of this. Jason is the other sibling. Jason but it's spelled and Jaina. Yeah. J A -A -C -E -N. J A C E N. Yes. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. I remember these. Yeah. Uh, but uh, those books are excellent. But again, that's for a different day. Anyway, this is part <laughs> of the show where I usually say, "Where can people find you online?" But the answer is nowhere. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. You want to connect, and we can talk about our jobs. You can find me on LinkedIn. That's about it. Uh, yeah. <sighs> Yeah, that's, anyway. that's not very very good answer, is it? No, you but, can, but technically you can find my old profiles because I didn't delete them, but I think they're oh, okay. private, and I just left them because like I was like one. I think th th I would have friends that would be like, "Oh, remember that time Matt said that funny thing or posted that funny thing?" Um, and so I just I just uh, deleted them off my phone, changed the passwords to things I wouldn't remember, and then left them private. So technically, if you were already my friend, you can find my Instagram and <laughs> all all those photos. Otherwise, yeah, find me on LinkedIn. And we'll, uh, what I was gonna say is, uh, I'll if, write you a recommendation. Is you should uh, definitely go to multiversity.com, multiversitycomics.com, and search for uh, a review of the Brave and the Bold number thirty three by Matthew Malikoff. Uh, that, yeah, that that would be where I would start.
that's a good that's you know i recently went and uh reorganized my entire comic book collection and then like put everything that i own on uh there's this like app called league of comic geeks because mm -hmm. i wanted i'm like so sick of going to the store and being like do i own this or not like yep, the same way yep. that you have like mm -hmm. a discogs account um and so that's helped me and i was like oh i want to like make a list of like what if, what are like my all-time favorite comics ever there's like that one issue of deadpool i love and like action comics and that wonder woman issue i love and i did give uh, the few five star reviews i've given one is for that brave and the bold issue so oh, yeah. I, I will stand by it i really really liked it yeah it, it just it, it, we always tease you about that because it was like one of the very few tens ever given out in the history of all diversity was that yeah. 10.0 so yeah I'm, I'm gonna stand by it I guess if folks really wanted, they could go and listen to the back, uh, <laughs> the backlog of marveling at the movies. That was like the last yes. thing I did for Multiversity, yes. uh, which was me, Matt Dicchiaro, who I saw The Last Jedi with, and our friend Alexis Perry. And the goal of that show was, in the beginning, Matt didn't watch any of these movies at all, and he had like no interest and no history with them so and and both alexis and i loved comics and comic book movies so we like put him in a room and we w watched all like the marvel movies and he would like review them and his responses to things were um funny and then you get to like the modern day era and we're watching like loki and things like that and oh my god the two of them just hated it so much and it was just an awful experience for me to have to watch an episode of loki enjoy it and then sit down with my two friends who were like this is terrible to talk about it for like an hour <laughs> unfortunately so, the site yeah. that hosted our podcast the hour cosmic went down and i think we lost most of those episodes along that way oh um, did we i think we did i still have some on a, on a hard drive someplace one of these days i want to re-upload those i have a a Oh, yeah, because I think you edited everything. Darn. I was going to say, I've got a, um external hard drive that's got a ton of old Marvel Mar multiversity stuff that I used to do as, like, mm -hmm. backup. Yeah. And there was a folder on here called The Hour Cosmic, but I think you edited every episode. So everything that's in here is just, like, jokes that we wrote or, like, interview questions that I'd written down. Right, episodes. Yeah. Darn. Oh, that yeah. stinks. Yeah, that was a fun. That was a comic book game show hosted by me, Matt, and our friend Chad Bowers. Yeah, and we had a lot of fun with that show. That was that was good until it wasn't. We did no, I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, it was definitely fun. I think we just we ran out of steam there. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it was a lot of work to write the questions, and guests wanted to come on and promote their work, not play a game with us, and that yeah. was the problem. Uh, the best, the best slash worst example of that is Kelly Sudakonic, who's a friend. She was a friend of ours at one, at one point, like friend of the show. You were running a game that the answer to everything was just go ahead now. It was it was a it was a two, oh, two princess wow. joke, and she just yeah. did not get that that was the joke. Yeah. And she'd be like, "I don't know." You'd be like, "Just go ahead now." And then what is this? And she'd be like, "I don't know." Like, "Just go ahead now." And and I, Chad and I were dying because it was so funny and so clever, and she just was not feeling it. And I feel like that's yeah. that's the definite that, that is the legacy of the hour cost because us having fun and the guests just not always getting it. Is that episode online somewhere? Can folks listen to that? I'll try and that, find it and upload it if I can. That's because I do remember having. I remember like we had Larry Hama on at one point. Yes, and I just yeah. Like that was really really fun. I remember we had that guy that wrote for Futurama, and uh, so we had a bunch of trivia questions, and he told us that they were wrong. Yes. Do you remember that? That was. Yeah, I do funny. remember that. Yes. Um. Yeah, we had a. That was a. That was a ton of fun. Yeah, it was just. It was just a cool. It was. It was a fun thing, and and that's one of those things where I wish like if the comics world was different. I would love to pitch that to New York Comic Con. Like, hey, 
Let's do an hour cosmic live. We did it once at Emerald City, and you had to you your flight got changed and you couldn't make it. Yeah. But me and Chad did it with it was Jason Aaron, the now canceled Jason Latour, um, Chris Chris Sabella and Tim Seeley, and it was really fun to do it in front of an audience and have you know I would love to do that again, but just like I don't know what world it would be that somebody would want us to do that. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but it, there's a good idea in there for sure. I think that yeah. there's there's something that if you can figure out a way to do it in the fashion that's not so wasn't is not so taxing because I think that's where we really struggled was on the minute cosmic stuff like the little the little goofs that we would do yeah and writing the the trivia questions we all just really ran out of steam so I don't know what's the way to do that without like a writer's room but, right exactly <laughs> uh yeah no there's there's something there there's a good idea in there yeah. Well, thank you, Matt, for making the time. As always, it's great catching up. We should catch up when we're not doing a podcast one of these days. But, uh, yeah. you know. Anytime. Yeah. And uh, remember, folks, the Force will be with you always.